is Becky Gannon, and I'm mad about miniatures. I've been gone from the podcast scene for several months, but I'm back with a fabulous new episode with the amazing Kate Umver of the Daily Mini. Why was I gone? I'm just going to say life happens and leave it at that. But I do want to thank everyone who told me they missed the podcast and encouraged me to come back. I was really touched and amazed by how many of you took time to tell me that, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, on to my guest, Kate Umver. Her Instagram account, at Daily Mini, is the place to go to see not only beautiful pictures of minis, but also to discover new miniature artists and more. Her book, The Big Book of Minis, is one of my all-time favorites. Let's go talk to Kate now. Hello, Kate. It's so nice to have you here. Hey, Becky. How's it going? It's going great. I am a big fan of the Daily Mini, as I think everyone is. It's something I like to check every day to see, you know, who you found and what new artist is out there and what new cool picture is on there. I mean, you've really created just an amazing way to spotlight amazing miniaturists. Well, hey, thanks. It's uh, it's my pleasure. I like to I like to think that Daily Mini for almost ten years now. It's been um, it's the best part of my day, and it it was like that when I first launched it, and that remains to be the case. So, when something gives you joy, you you follow follow yourself down that road, and that's sort of where where I'm at today with Minis. I couldn't agree more with that. Minis bring me such joy, and you do. You need to follow the joy in life. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned being able to spotlight new artists and that to me and and provide artists with a platform that to me is really what keeps me going and what I feel so passionate about and fortunate to be able to to do that and to have a space to be able to share new works, whether it's an up and coming younger miniaturist or a mini centric exhibition at a museum or a new film that features miniatures. It's it's all just thrilling and exciting to me. And to this day, I still get that, you know, my heart skips a beat when I see a spectacular mini or something I've never seen before. Oh, that's so nice. That's It's great that you still have that same sense of wonder. Now, how did you think of the Daily Mini? It's a great question. So if we rewind about a decade, I was heading up social media for an art and design and architecture college in Brooklyn. And I was thinking about what's next? Where do I go from here? So I wanted to create my own social portfolio. So I leaned into Instagram and I looked into my own backyard. And by that, I mean what I had access to in larger numbers, which was my mini collection. So for my first year, I was featuring minis for my own personal collection, almost for about 365 days. And it was just on Instagram. And then within that first year, it really grew so that my friends, family would share photos of minis. Um, People were kind enough to send me minis in the mail. And it grew exponentially through the mini community, which I'm so grateful for. And I, I credit, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have this space to share these stories if it wasn't for the hundreds and thousands of miniature makers that provide me permission to tell these stories. 
Well, it sounds like, I mean, it's great that they give you permission, but it sounds like in the beginning they were also like, hey, me, 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 show mine too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's a few names that come to mind, which perhaps I'll shout out later, that have been there since the very beginning, both on Instagram and sort of in this miniature world. That's nice. Yeah, but way back when, you know, when I turned to my collection, unless there was an artist credit underneath a work or associated with it at the time of purchase, I didn't know the artist attribution probably until that second year. That's something that I always look out for if it's at a miniature shop or a show or even antiquing, you know, is there an artist credit? Is there a way to know who the maker is of this? It's easy to lose track of that, even when you're buying your own stuff. Yeah, I'm not a purist by any means. I love artisan and handmade and one-of-a-kind fine miniature work. But I also love minis that are um, produced for the masses that still spark joy in me. So I try not to have um, a penchant for one or the other. But of course, handmade fine miniatures continue to amaze. And that to me is really the truest, truest art form. It's creating something one of and or one of a kind, and it's all handmade. And you can see the painstaking dedication that went into bringing that that mini to life. And I never fail to be impressed and amazed by some of them. I mean, some of them, I'm trying to think, some of the one pictures that have been on your daily mini, you know, it's so tiny. I, I have to like increase the screen even to see it, much less make it. <laughs> Yes, I do the same thing, zooming in constantly. I love I love that point of pause when you see something either that is so hyper-realistic or it sparks joy. Or for me, the thing that I'm most drawn to is have I ever seen it before in small scale? Is it something that's contemporary? Is it a scene from our work-from-home lives? Is it a new product that's on the market that someone has miniaturized? So those first for me, I, I have memories of them that are, that stand out very crisply and brightly in my mind. Seeing the first time I ever saw a miniature box of tissues that was handmade years and years and years ago. It, it reminds me, I think, of some of my favorite minis from my own personal collection, probably about 25 years ago. Well, and you do have an incredible memory, right? You said you, when we talked earlier, you really can look at something and remember if you've seen it before. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. Whether it's a gift or a curse, the recall that I have for minis is, uh, it's something else. You know, I don't, I always thought about putting together a sheet or a guide so I could know, okay, I've shared this if there's a maker's credit. And I would just have this 10-year sort of spreadsheet, if you can think, like an accountant's worst nightmare. I've got all these different line items, some of which I, I did purchase. No, my, my memory, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's clearly visual. Right. And there have only been a few instances. There's one that stands out maybe in like 2014. I shared something just sort of off the cuff. And I had one of my friends say, didn't you feature this before? And I, I was like, no, I don't, I don't believe I did. And then they went back and found the image. And I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened. And from that day, that one instance, and it was a, it was an abacus, a miniature working abacus. From that day, I try to really make sure that I'm not duplicating the work. Or if I am, I'm at least saying that it's a flashback or a throwback post. 
I think once in 10 years, we need to cut you a little slack on that. Yeah, let's, we can allow it. Thank you. Thank you for that. I think that's fine. You know, I'm willing to give you, you know, two or three a year. Thank you. Thanks, Becky. So you talked about this a little, but I know everyone, you know, when they do get on the Daily Mini, it's a big deal. I'm sure they're very happy, very excited and tell you that, but they also write all their friends because I've been on the receiving end of that. (laughs) And so tell us how, what you are looking for. I'm sure people want to know. Yeah, that's a great question. There's a few qualities that come to mind, and this is just a short list and by no means comprehensive, but the first and foremost is, have I seen this before in small scale? Is this a first of its kind from my purview? So have I, have I ever seen something quite like this, whether it's a scene, a theme, or an object itself? That's number one. So no more mini toilet paper rolls, everyone. We've seen them. <laughs> I mean, unless you, unless they've got a print on them, you know, they used to have those different, maybe it was bounty or something, unless they've got a design. Oh, or, yes. Yes, you're right. They used or, to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Or how else would you make mini toilet paper special? I don't know. They're, they're on like an incredible holder, like a brass ornate toilet paper holder. They or... really have to work it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, 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 please. If, if that's what you're, if that's what you're making right now, as you listen to this, keep going, please. <laughs> I do. I do want to see it. Okay. So second thing would be, have I ever featured this artist before? Is this a new miniaturist to the mini community and mini scene? Is it a new designer? Is it an architect that's just trying something for the first time? So that first, from a artist credit point of view is really exciting, sort of like the discovery of a new talent that's out there that I hadn't come across before that really thrills me. Thirdly, it's the quality of the photo. So not the quality of the miniature art because I love all miniature art equally. I really stand by that. But the quality of the photo, is it bright? Is it clear that it's a miniature work because there's an object for scale? Is it just a beautiful photo? Is it, you know, colorful? Does it have, um, is it clear that it was taken with the intent for it to be shared versus sort of, you know, in the process of, of making it maybe, um, there's materials in the background, which I'm fine with that as well, but yeah, so quality of the photo. And then maybe number four would be related to that. Like the color scheme. I always try if you scroll down, um, at least on, on Instagram, that there's diversity in both artists in the type of work, but also in the color scheme and video and video versus photo. That makes sense. So that must be a little harder around Christmas time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Christmas time, Halloween. <laughs> it's very true. It's very, very true. Yes, that's a good that's a good call out. But at least I try. And even if it's thematic for a period of time, fine. Right. Well, and it's interesting because this whole idea, you like something in there to show scale. That's become a lot more important, I think, on Instagram in general in the last six months. You know, I didn't used to always put my hand in or put something in. But now, I talked about this in, I think, um, my interview with um, Christine from Paper Doll Miniatures. It seems like, and she agreed, that you really have to have something in there or people just sort of pass it by. 
Yeah. And Christine is incredible. And I love what she's doing lately with all of her videos that sort of set up, set up a scene, whether it's in a kitchen or a dining room. Shout out to Christine. Love them. She's amazing. Um, Yes. Yeah. I think with the, there's, there's almost two schools of thought, I would say with the object for scale. When I first came in touch with the International Guild of Miniature Artisans and all of the fellows and artisans involved there, so many of the photographs that the nonprofit guild had either on their website or access to or the artists themselves, they didn't have that object for scale. And a lot of what I was what I was hearing as a theme was that the reason that they weren't leaning towards something to show that it was a mini is because it was more about could this trick the eye and be mistaken for something that's one to one or however we'll call it real, you know, life size full. Right. And so I think the value of at least having one photo, maybe it's not all of them with an object for scale is when you're, quickly scrolling, whether it's on Instagram or on a website, your brain immediately recognizes that the object is smaller versus being fooled into continuing to scroll because, oh, hey, that's just a beautiful mid-century modern table. I'm going to keep scrolling. I think, you know, partly it's it's Instagram and that format that otherwise you keep scrolling that forces us to do that. And when I first started, I would show Mike, you know, some of my favorite miniatures from people and also some of my design Instagrams and we would play a game. Guess which it is, you know, and it's hard. I I once actually wrote a real designer telling her how much I loved her minis. Oh my goodness. I'm sure she thought I was crazy. So I agree. I mean, if you were doing like a gallery and you knew everything was miniature going in, you know, maybe you'd take a different approach, but I can see the need to distinguish it from other types of pictures on Instagram. Yeah. And of course, I would also disclose I'm coming at this from the lens um, more of a curator and a collector. If I was a a maker through and through, if I was creating uh, miniatures every day, I might have a completely different perception where I, I thought that the putting in an object near my work or in it sort of dilutes the meaning or it it's a you know it's not it's not part of that cohesive theme or scene so I think there's no there's no necessarily wrong approach to to mini miniature photography but I think with mini videos you know showing something working or moving I think having a hand coming in or tweezers really adds that layer of wow that wow factor right no I don't think there's any right or wrong I mean everyone should there's different situations, but you're just saying for the purpose of your curation, that's what you like to show. Yes, absolutely. So I have to go back to one remark that caught my eye. You said, you know, for a year, for 365 days, you pretty much showed your own collection. So how many miniatures do you have, Kate? (laughs) Oh, that's a a million-dollar question. I would estimate, I don't think it's 5,000. Oh my. But I believe it's more than three because it was about 2,500 a few years ago. I'm going to say between 3,500 and 4,999. I, I need to count them. But I would say under the 5,000 mark right now. Well under 5,000. So you're good. 
I think so. Ooh, well, yeah, I think so. My my rule is if you have if you find a way to fit them in your house, you don't have too many. Yes. And let me tell let me tell you a funny story about that. So I've always had my miniatures on display, whether it's, you know, in one concentrated area, in a display shelf or a case. And then I'll also intersperse them throughout my home. So if I have a few house plants on a ledge, I might have a miniature plant just right next to them. If I have a bookshelf of books, I might have, oh, I don't know, a mini replica of my dog somewhere near it. But um, anytime you you come into my home, if you're a miniaturist, it's absolutely a safe space because there's a mini pretty much at every corner, uh, everywhere you look. I'm looking around now. That's so cool. I'm just try. I'm just trying to picture that. So you, you really don't put them in doll houses or room boxes, or even just shelves or a house type. You just just kind of work them little vignettes or little singles in everywhere. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And my hope one day is whether I settle down on the East Coast or the West Coast that I could have either a room or a smaller room. One of those rooms that is kind of an odd size, maybe that, you know, you can't use it for much else than storage, that I could turn that into a single space with inset walls where I could have my miniatures displayed in that way. So a bit of a gallery, a museum, a shop, but for me, it would just be my happy, my happy space to see them all in one place. And perhaps I would create mini content from inside it, almost like a hybrid studio or just a, you know, a a workspace or my office, but that's my dream. And I think that's why also I don't, I don't have, it doesn't feel like I have a stopping point to my collection as of now, because if I had a, a set amount of space, then I would know, okay, this is pretty finite. You know, you've only got room for a hundred more minis. No, I, I, without having a space to put them all and have, have the boundaries of that space, I, I, I feel like I'm able to um, grow my collection you know, week week by week, month by month. That's kind of genius. I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> Don't be limited by how many doll houses you are. Just look around and say, but I still have an empty shelf. So what's the problem? <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you ever do like little room vignettes or is it more like you'll take a bunch of pottery and put them together? Do you ever do like a little living room? I might do something maybe one, one degree less. So one of my favorite artists, Gideon Wolf of Wild Wolf Miniatures makes this beautiful Montana cedar table that has a, it's got like a, a gorgeous gloss top. And so I'll put a plant on it, maybe a bouquet of flowers, perhaps a book, another mini object. And so I'll have that set up, you know, in in the corner of my home. But as for a bigger, broader scene, no, because when I collect, I'm not thinking about a theme or a room or a scene or something like that. I'm just really going with what pulls my heartstrings and gives me joy. So there's certainly a lot of duplicates to what I collect or sort of themes in that way where if I already have it, that doesn't mean I won't seek it out again. Of course not. It could always be a little different. I mean, think how many, many pops yeah. you could have. Mm-hmm. So might you do something like that? Put a couple little animals together or a few little pots? I'm just trying to kind of get a visual on this incredible home decor. 
Yes, and I'm I'm happy to share to share photos with Ooh, you as well. But yeah, we would themed, love that themed. So yes, yeah, so themed whether it's uh, pieces of pottery together or house plants. It's also sort of what the what's in full scale that lends itself. What are the colors or the themes? And then of course, is this an, is this area going to be bumped by someone, or is this sort of like a nice decorative shelf that has our full size? Um, plants and flowers and vases uh and then we can have some minis amongst it and is it safe i i had my dollhouse on a very low coffee table i brought it downstairs for halloween and i put a bunch of little mini pumpkins on it and for those of you who are fans of my dog ziggy you know that he's very good about my miniatures with two exceptions mini pumpkins and mini pillows (laughs) The mini pumpkins were a little too low to the ground. <laughs> and one day I, I came back home and they were scattered all over the floor. And Ziggy was like, I don't know, wind, not me. <laughs> so I can see where you want to make sure it's somewhere yes, safe. Yes, absolutely. That, that reminds me of a, a moment of pause or a big gasp when a, about nine years ago, when I had my some of my minis displayed in a printer's tray, so a wooden printer's tray, I was in that room and one of them just happened to fall off. And my dog, who was a puppy at the time, went over to it and started sniffing it. And rather than um, say something, I just, I held my breath and I just wanted to see what would happen. And thankfully she sniffed it and left. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, Sadie, you, you get it. You're, you're, uh, you're part of this world by not being part of this world. If you know what I mean. She's a superior dog. I will say that even though Ziggy does put the mini pillows and mini pumpkins in their his mouth, he must be very delicate with them because they all they look all right. <laughs> he just sort of delicately puts them in, runs around, and drops them. So I guess I it could be worse. So that's um that's amazing. And but you can't have all of them out at some time. Do you store the rest of them in little trays? Yes. Or? Yes. So I have a few um, storage spaces. I have one uh, that my partner got me that's beautiful for storing pottery, where it's got like the inside of it is lined. Ooh. But many of my miniatures, the the vast majority of my collection is in storage now in New York, while I'm temporarily based in Los Angeles, and. I remember thinking, okay, as I'm packing everything up, I was trying to estimate exactly what size box or storage container it would fit in. And it did exceed the size that I had estimated. And now um, I moved out here with uh, no minis. And I would say in about a year, I've amassed, I don't know, about 200, less than 300. Well, you can't be a mini without miniaturists. Yes, yes. It's true. It's true. That's funny. So you have them stored and do you miss them? Oh, I do. I try not to think about them. You know, it's, it's, uh, it pains me to think about them only because I think about all the photos or videos I could, I could create with them here in, in sunny California. But no, I try not to think about them because I know I'll be reunited with them at some point soon. And hopefully it's the means to an end where there will be a house or a way to have that inset wall one day soon. I'm sure there will be. And imagine, even though you miss them, imagine the thrill. Like you're going to have just a solid week of opening things up and being like, oh, I missed you, tiny little pot. <laughs> so 
do you have certain things that you particularly collect? Pots, food, plants, books? Great question. I have three three favorite things I collect and a few others on the side. Number one would be realistic plants or flowers, most often in a vessel, so in a pot or in a vase. Number two would be pottery pieces, so colors or shapes I've never seen before. And then number three, which is harder to, to come by, would be miniature replicas of my dog, Sadie B. Hawkins. And so that could be either a commissioned work by an artist, or it could just simply be a, you know, a white dog with black spots. That really reminds me of Sadie. I too love little animals. And I keep trying to collect ones that look like Ziggy. I also collect others. The other day I did a little video where I was, I started to show all of them. But after 10, I thought that's enough. <laughs> but you can never have too many. Yeah, I like to think so. I know, you know, it's hard for any, for any collectors out there. It's really hard to know, you know, or to say like, oh, you know, when, when's the end of your collection or a topic that makes me very uncomfortable and nervous that, you know, I've had my friends ask, well, will you ever sell all your collection one day or what's the end game? What are you going to do? And I think when you, when you say that to a collector, it sends shivers through them because there's not an end to the collection. That's a collection is, goes on for potentially forever. Kate, each of your friends get to ask that one yes. time, and then that's yes. it. You don't need that, that kind of negativity in your yes. life. Yes. Kate's friends, stop it. <laughs> I mean, that would make me nervous. And I also think it's funny when people act like you have to justify miniatures in a way people don't feel they have to justify playing golf or embroidering or other things. Like, well, what do you do with it? You know, what is it going to accomplish for you? You know what I mean? I mean, well, what do you accomplish doing any hobby? You know what I mean? Bird watching, stamp collecting, golf. It's a hobby. It's enough all by itself. It's a hobby. It's a passion. It's something that brings you joy. And also, it's a form of art. You know, you don't ask an art collector who is drawn to particular paintings or sculptures, you know, when your house is fully decorated, when are you going to stop at this collection? No, no, it's, it's kind of part, it's part of your DNA in a way. Yes, yes. It's like, no, I will collect art as long as there's still beautiful art being made. As long as there's artists out there that I can support. And if I'm fortunate enough to, to support them by, by bringing home their miniature art, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And that's really what I feel like is, is my calling. And then of course, there's the other end of the spectrum going to, you know, antiquing or spaces like that, where I find minis. Eventually, I think I'll have to say, okay, Kate, let's leave it for the next person. Let's take a photo. Let's walk away, which I, I've gotten better about. That's what you said. You said sometimes you can take a photo and that's enough. Very true. That does satiate my appetite for the mini. So sometimes I'll use that technique where if I go to a show with millions of minis and if the artist grants me permission, if it's something I really love and want, but you know, today I say, okay, Kate, we're not going to take this home. I'll ask, is it okay to take a photo? And to me, having that photo feels in many ways like I'm a co-owner of that piece because I can look at that image and that image will, will bring me joy. That's really nice. I can see that. 
And what's so nice is when you share that image, you're sharing their work and their artistic ability with other people. Yes, absolutely. That's really nice. So the book of Minnie, where does that fit into the timeline of the Daily Minnie? Fabulous question. So in, I think it was almost five, four or five years ago, I was approached by a publisher to put together sort of a book of my Instagram feed and all of the miniature works and stories I was telling there, as well as on my website, where I'll have interviews with artists um, and miniature makers. And so I quickly trusted my publisher to be able to bring that story to life in a meaningful way. And so in 2019, I released the book of mini inside the big world of tiny things. And every copy of the book has a miniature book in 112 scale inset in the cover. So it's a two for one. If you don't already have the book of mini, uh, just know you're getting two books for one. Yes. And I have the book. I love it. You all should go get it. (laughs) Thank you for that. Felt like it was my daily mini life's work come to fruition in in that way. I really credit it as a turning point in this passion project or side hustle, this daily mini, this thing that I do, you know, outside of business hours, seven days a week for t- for 10 years, it really felt like, okay, this is uh, in some ways recognition for all of the, the time, effort and energy I had been putting in. But for me also, selflessly, it was a way, okay, this is this is an additional way for these artists to be able to either share their stories or have their work out there in a in a print capacity. Yes, and it, it's a beautiful book. And there's something nice about, I mean, you have all the pictures, you have it, you know, on Instagram, but it must be nice sometimes to just be able to look at it in that beautiful format. Yes, yes. It really does feel like a, a piece of me is in every copy of of every book. And um, it's still, it, uh, it honestly feels surreal. I mean, it's been three years, almost three years since it's come out. There's days where I forget that I, that I put together this book because, you know, life moves so fast. Right. But I'm really grateful for, for my publisher and for every artist that participated. And even all those that I contacted that we weren't able to have be a part of the project, I'm still just grateful for the opportunity to connect yeah, it was it was a, it was a difficult decision oftentimes made by the editor at the publishing house of sort of what works would go in if it was down to the wire between these two images of an orchid plant or these two um, images of a of a kitchen dining room. Oh, that must have been tough to decide. Yes, yes it was. But yes, in terms of a, the what's next, I've been asking myself that I think since the book went to the printer. So more than more than 3 years ago. So what is next? <laughs> oh, Becky. Well, I'll tell you when I know. I'll, I'll, uh, I'm hopeful that in being temporarily on the West Coast, I can become more of a part of this mini community here. And fingers crossed, knock on wood, that I'm able to go behind the scenes and or be a little bit more involved in mini-centric TV or film productions. So that's the hope. Ooh, that would be so cool. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in LA. It's it's in my backyard. I would I would really love that. Or to, you know, to be whether it's set design or prop masters, that sort of whole world of minis. Oh. I'm very interested in that as well as attending mini shows that are based on the West Coast or mini shops that are open. Oh, that's fantastic. 
So you have this incredible passion for miniatures. Tell us how it started in your childhood. Oh, great question. I believe there are two key moments in my life to cite. So the first is when I was very young, just a baby in a stroller. I found out years later, my mom had affixed this chunky 80s charm necklace to the brim of my stroller so that when I was looking out, I was seeing all these dozens of miniature objects or charms. Wow. Yeah. So that they've just been embedded in my, you know, my DNA, my psyche. When I look out into the world, there's minis on the edges, but also minis in the forefront. Do you have a picture? Do you have the charm bracelet? I do. I think there might be a bracelet version. The one I had is a is a necklace and you can unclip each of the minis. My mom sent it to me years later, I think when I was in my 20s. And immediately I, I was like, all these memories flooded me. And I remember playing with it, but where did this come from? What did, and then she told me that story about it being on my stroller, the brim of my stroller. But yes, I still have it. And I... I sought out another version with more charms, I think on, on eBay and you can still find it today, different versions of them. That's one moment. And then I went on to make minis, you know, probably between the age of what, seven to 14 or so making minis out of clay, out of paper. I have a few of them. They are crude. They are (laughs) <laughs> they are not something that I want anyone to see uh, in the mini world. I decorated and created all these scenes in a beautiful dollhouse that I had. And um, I would always spend my allowance at this neighborhood mini store. And from that dollhouse, I remember my favorite miniature was the smallest one in it, which was a baby's pacifier. It was so oh. incredibly small. I think I still have it. I'd, ha- I'd have to check. That's incredible. That is a yes. little, I mean, I have trouble keeping track now of my smallest ones. Yes. Why well, it's definitely the, you know, the obsession, the obsessive detail to minis is, you know, between the memory and the curation I've, I've, I've had right. it for a long time. When I went off to college, there was some sort of miscommunication with my family where my dollhouse structure was donated to a um, battered women's shelter. So for um, battered women and children. So the dollhouse was gone. And I, for a long time, believed all the miniatures were just in it. So I remember I came home. It was, it was devastating. I don't even know how to talk about it because I feel like I've, yeah, I feel like it's like I've either blacked it out or I just remember coming back and just thinking it was a joke. I feel your pain. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say. That's just, I don't know, so disturbing. (laughs) And it went on to a good place, but still to not, to have that happen without you knowing it was going to happen. I think now after listening to this, every miniature is going to be like, I'm going to the store. Don't get rid of the miniatures (laughs) while while I'm gone. I'm just want to be very clear about that. That is so, it's funny and true. But so that, event is the reason that I don't collect miniatures for a house or a structure or a singular space because I don't want them to ever be taken from me from one singular space. That's why I have them all over my home and sort of without a theme because I'm, I have a little bit of more freedom again, no boundaries, you know, of three walls, but yeah, that definitely shaped me as a miniature enthusiast that moment. 
and as a person. Yes, yes, and as a as a person as well. So for many years, I believed all the miniatures in it to be gone. It turns out they were with my aunt and her children, so my cousins, but I think of them as my nieces and nephews. And so my aunt returned them to me about six or seven years ago. I had no idea. I had no idea. I cannot even describe the miscommunication that, you know, involved through all this. I feel like we maybe need some communication tools in your family. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Sorry. Maybe that's why when I ended up in communications in that field. And to me, the thing I value the most is when someone is a clear and transparent communicator. And that's sort of why I've been drawn to that field. I think there's a lot there to unpack. There's a lot. That's for, that's for another episode. When I opened that package, I felt my heart stop. It was the most special moment. One of the most special moments, but at the time, probably the most special moment in my mini history or however you want to frame it. Wow. The pacifier was in there. So I think I must still have it. That's amazing that the, and that her kids kept up with them. You all must be a very meticulously (laughs) organized family. And yes, you know, that's why you can't communicate. You're too busy putting everything away nicely. Yes, we're very, very organized, but terrible at communication. Yeah, there's a few key life moments in there that uh, I'm happy to, happy that I was able to share those with you. That's amazing. So when the package came, did she tell you she was sending it? Or no. Or did it truly arrive out of no. the blue? out of the <gasps> blue in a padded brown manila envelope with her name, my name. I remember thinking like, oh, what is this? And I just opened it and I'm like pretty certain I started crying because you think all those are lost and just oh my flooded gosh. with the memories of like, oh, this salad was on the kitchen table. Oh, these wooden bowls. I had gotten them from this woodworking store in Vermont. These tiny little wooden bowls just flooded with memories. It was such a gift. And it wasn't, I don't, it, it wasn't the full collection. Now that I'm saying it, I'm like, I'm confusing myself if the pacifier was even in there, but I know there were a few key pieces. I also came across my mom had the chunky 80s necklace. So it was like piecing back together these parts of my childhood. And then also my memories with minis were sort of pieced together as well in seeing these objects again. I'm trying to think if I've ever gotten anything that special in the mail. No. I mean, (laughs) that is like setting a high bar for future mail deliveries. Oh, my goodness. The other thing that comes to my mind when you were telling me about the 80s charm bracelet and stuff is we would never hang that up on the stroller now. I'm sure that was an an immense choking hazard. (laughs) I believe so, yes. But it was out of reach. Okay. As an as an infant, I couldn't I couldn't reach it. But in the 80s, there were different different uh, rules. In, in the eighties, it was different. We didn't wear bike yes. helmets. We we were around loose in what we called the way back of the station wagon. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we went out and nobody knew where we were outside <laughs> until dinner time. It was the wild west of childhood. <laughs> it was totally different. I mean, now if you did any of that, you would be in big yes. trouble. That is so interesting. I mean, so some really key memories and. In, and I think some things that have formed some basic parts of you are really wrapped up in your miniatures. Absolutely. Absolutely. The thing that I still feel to this day, though, is that sheer delight 
that I don't think ever went away. So even when I didn't have my dollhouse for a period of time, I never got that back. But even when I didn't have the structure of the minis, I was still collecting one-off minis and I was still drawn to them. So it's never gone away. This love of this deep-rooted love of miniatures has been there really since day one, day zero. So do you often find that's hard to explain to people? I mean, some of my friends, when I started doing minis, they were like, why? Or what's the purpose of that? Like when people come into your home and they see all the minis, do you like feel defensive? No, I, I want to say 99% of my friends know what they're getting when they meet me that, that I'm a mini fan or they'll send me photos of minis or they'll think of me when they see minis. Maybe newer friends. No, I don't think I've ever had to explain it, thankfully. You know, if someone doesn't get it, then I, I wouldn't try to explain it because either it's like a language that you speak or you don't. You either get it or you don't. It gives you joy it sparks something in you, or perhaps it doesn't. And that's okay. You know, minis don't have to be for everyone. But at the end of the day, they are tiny representations of the world around us. And if you don't like a tiny representation of the world around you, then, you know, you got you got other questions to ask. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if a tiny little pink cocktail or a tiny fluffy white dog doesn't bring you joy, then what the heck yes. does? <laughs> I do have... Another question outside of minis, and that is that I hear you're also into motorcycles. Yes, I am into motorcycle adventures, and oftentimes I will ride a bike to a mini show or a mini event, which is fun because then it limits what I can bring home. You know, you can only fit so much in the in the saddlebags. I've been riding motorcycles for almost eight years, seven years, eight, almost eight years. I love that because I think people still think of like a little old grandma <laughs> in an apron collecting minis. So I love the the vision of you like, you know, zooming up in the miniature show <laughs> on your motorcycle. I love that. I really love the, the freedom that m- motorcycling has brought to my life. I love the amount of friends and, and contacts and adventures I've been on through it. I've had the pleasure of riding in places like New Zealand and Italy and Guatemala and Canada and all over the U.S., both with friends. And I I really do enjoy solo time. Just about two weeks ago, I did a a jaunt through Arizona and Nevada and Death Valley and almost almost didn't make it because really lost the light. And it was so cold coming out of Death Valley, but always an adventure. And it's nice to have that adrenaline and you know it it makes me feel alive and it gives you time to think it's almost like a zen therapy you're in this zen state where you can you can't lose focus of what's in front of you because it's make or break but it also does allow you to have clarity in other ways so on long stretches you can think about things but if you're doing some dynamic riding in the twisties or around a mountain you really have to be in this hyper focused state yeah i love it Well, and do you collect tiny little motorcycles? I do have a few. It's a great question. I do have not as many as I should. I don't have a replica of of my bike yet, which might be something to think about for my next commission, perhaps. Well, Kate, it has been such a pleasure and a thrill to talk to you and find out about the Daily Mini and, and really just your passion and love for collecting and for sharing other miniature artists with the world and helping them find 
an audience. Well, thank you so much, Becky. I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited to see what's next in the world of, of miniatures. Thank you for the time. Well, thank you again. And I wish you many more hours and years of collecting minis. And I can't wait to hear, you know, what comes next. Thank you. Yes, we'll find a way to move the needle on minis. <laughs> Should we explain that story? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, please. Do you want to take it? I'll start. So, listeners, we started this interview, and you didn't hear when we the first attempt. I was talking to Kate. She was talking. She was being funny and charming, just like she was on this. And I realized that on my little controls, um, the needle wasn't showing her having any volume, even though she was talking nice and loud. And I watched it for a few minutes, and I didn't know what to do. I never had this happen. But... I was worried it wasn't recording her. So finally I said, you know, Kate, we have to stop. You're not moving the needle volume-wise. But that's not exactly what Kate heard. All I heard was, Kate, you're not moving the needle. And me thinking, oh my gosh, does she want me to say something more controversial or edgy about minis? That's really what I took it as was, uh, you know, you're not, you're not moving the needle. And so I just didn't say anything. I just, I like... I took a deep breath and was like, wow, oh, is this, is she goading me to say something? See, that's not a phrase I'm really that familiar <laughs> with, uh, moving the needle. I didn't really even know it meant that. And when you didn't respond and I said I couldn't hear you, I just thought, well, the sound really did go out. <laughs> Talk about miscommunication. We had a little of our own. I would never be that mean to anyone. <laughs> I hope you all know that by now. And I'm, I'm very grateful you didn't just hang up. Well, it's a, it's a very funny story. And I think it also connects back to a theme of communication or miscommunication. So perfect. <laughs> We had an exciting start to our interview, but, you know, it just gave us a little more adrenaline, you know, freed up the creativity, gave us a little something to bond on, and we moved on, didn't we? <laughs> we did. It has been an absolute joy speaking with you today. Thank you so much, Kate. Bye. Goodbye. Isn't Kate fantastic? I could talk to Kate about minis for days. If you don't already follow her on Instagram, go there now. You'll be glad you did. It's at Daily Mini. My next episode features renowned miniaturist Paris Renfro. He's going to talk to us about his modern minis, his views on what makes minis art, and he's going to talk to us about the new, improved Vegas show coming up in 2023. That episode will air on Tuesday, November 8th. If you enjoy my podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss anything. And in the meantime, remember, there are no rules in your dollhouse except the ones you create for yourself. Goodbye.